0: centrally speaking is the central Schweinfelder Church's podcast it speaks about issues that would be of interest to our society in particular it addresses how a christian worldview intersects with western secular culture in the spirit of the church's founder we take the perspective of the middle way which is in agreement with the historic christian church I'm Dr. Drake Williams, Minister of Mission and Theology at the Church. Our website is www.cscfamily.org. We're very pleased to have Vova and Marina Gorbenko for this interview. Vova and Marina are lifetime residents of Zaporozhia, Ukraine. They and their children, Andre, 17, and Katya, 15, came to the States after the invasion of Ukraine, arriving here in March of this last year. Vova is an experienced pastor at Christ the Savior Church, where he served as pastor for 14 years. He's also the academic dean of the Zaporozhia Bible Seminary for 14 years and a professor of New Testament at the same school for 19 years. We're very thankful for you both. Answering a few questions for us at Central Schwenkfelder, we've watched what's taken place in Ukraine. We've watched it with horror and certainly have been praying for not only you, but also for those in Zaporozhia and those in Ukraine. Can you help us understand what's taken place in Ukraine? And maybe first off, you could share with us about your home city uh, of Zaporozhia.
1: Greetings, and thank you so much for your interest and for the privilege for us to share about Ukraine and about our family as well. Zaporozhye is a large city. It's one of the uh, industrial centers in Ukraine. It's located in southeast uh, of Ukraine. So it's about an hour, maybe two hours drive to Donetsk. Maybe an hour drive to Donetsk area. And uh, it's a city of 700,000 people. There are lots and lots of factories uh, in the city, and the Dnieper River flows right through the middle uh, of uh, the city.
0: So when it's just a few hours from Donetsk, that's the area that Russian forces had already taken about 2014, correct? Yes. And there's been small skirmishes in the Donetsk area since 2014 up until this invasion in 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 February of this year,
1: that's right. Uh, So uh, for us, uh, the the war in Ukraine started much earlier than February twenty fourth, two thousand twenty two, because that's when Russia took over Donetsk and Lugansk and Crimea. That was two thousand fourteen. And at that time, we had many, many refugees from these two cities, Lugansk and Donetsk. And Donetsk is a larger city than Zaporozhye. It had the population about close to a million people. So in 2014, we had a flow of refugees because we are so close to Donetsk. And we had very many people from Donetsk, and uh, some of them stayed in our church. And uh, our church was helping refugees uh, that were scattered uh, throughout Zaporozhye uh, area. They were staying in children's camps and kindergartens and just about, you know, any place they could find temporary uh, shelter.
0: So from this, the many refugees who were coming into Zaporozhye, uh, your church did help to look after some then, but I'm sure you were not expecting what took place in February 24th. When did you first begin to worry that Russian forces were going to be invading?
1: Well, uh,
2: probably from the beginning of the year, maybe in January, when we heard that Russia uh, gathered uh, a lot of troops uh, along the uh, Ukrainian border. So it was kind of like bells for us, uh, to, just to remind, uh, to to make us alert. Uh, what is, what may happen? But we uh, we never uh, we never believed till the till the last moment that it could happen to Ukraine.
1: Yeah, and uh, we were afraid that this may happen ever since 2014. But uh, it has never been as uh, certain as uh, like maybe months or two prior to February 24th.
0: And of course, the previous year Russian forces had amassed on the border too, and they had retreated. so this did it seem like the same pattern to you?
1: Yes, yeah, it was the same. And you know, and that was bad enough because uh, for economy suffers if you have, somebody's army right by your border. Not many people would like to invest in a country that is under uh, this danger uh, to be invaded by a huge other country. So the economy was suffering.
0: And then, of course, the attack came. Where were you when you found out that the Russians had crossed the border?
1: For us, it was early morning. Uh, It was uh, uh, a regular work day for me and for Marina. Marina was getting ready to go to school uh, to teach uh, in a public school and I was getting ready to go to the seminary where I worked when I got up it was around 6 or uh, or so and I heard this news that the invasion started so I rushed to the seminary because I knew that uh, it's something extraordinary and uh, of course I heard on the news that all the gas stations had huge lines and uh, it was uh, it was panic in uh, in the city
0: could you hear any airplanes going overhead at that point in time
1: not the first day we just uh, we just knew that every major city was attacked by rockets uh, like uh, we heard that our airport was under attack and some military bases were under attack and we heard on the news that uh, many more major cities in Ukraine were attacked, but we didn't hear it uh, within the first day. Then later on, we started to hear it.
0: And How was the mood at the Bible seminary? And how was the mood at the school, Marina, where you were going to teach?
2: It was uncertain, uh, uncertain for us, and uh, our director of school called uh, every teacher and said uh, that Probably for us, it would be better to stay at home, and we should call uh, all children in our classes just to uh, to tell them stay at home and be in contact uh, till the uh, till the situations uh, will uh, become more clear. So since twenty fourth of uh, February, uh, there is uh, there were no classes at school. Uh, our uh, school um, continued. Uh, they uh they decided to prolong the school vacation on, at that moment for two weeks and later uh children came back to school but uh, they study online and still they study online and uh, it uh, in, it depends on how is uh, the air rates in the city if it's air rates the um, uh, school classes are postponed and were
0: the air rate sirens going off frequently marina
2: uh, yes, sometimes it depends on not each, uh, not every day, but uh, especially at night. It was ter- terrible, uh, especially then we we never heard such in our life. It was unexpected, and uh, we never uh, heard that before. And it it was it was scary for everybody. So we didn't
1: even know that we have those sirens before. You know, yeah. we we were born in that city and we didn't know they existed, but apparently they
0: did. And then I guess this is the time where you'd make your way to a shelter.
1: Yeah, and that's, uh, that was the sign uh, and the uh, signal for everyone to get down to a bomb shelter or to a basement or a cellar. Like Marina's school had a shelter. So people who, who uh, live in apartments, they would, they would just have to run yeah. to a shelter.
0: What's happened in Zaporozhye since the Russian invasion?
1: Uh, since that, we would have occasional rocket a- attacks, and then uh, air raids uh, would be almost, you know, every day, huh? almost every day. And, uh, yeah, so every time a rocket is launched, you never know where it will land. So it's a, it's a life under, under the stress that there is war. Uh, of course, we started to have these lines to gas stations and uh, and those who would be able to buy more gas would be limited uh, how much they can actually uh, buy. And people were buying everything they could in supermarkets. And of course, for a number of days, the shelves were completely empty, especially like milk and uh, bread and everything that would go bad. Uh, the really basic, yeah, the, yeah. Bad,
2: uh, the bad, uh, food, uh, basic food we use every yeah, day.
1: It, train stations and bus stations, they would be filled, and it, would, it was like a chaos, yeah, and it still is.
0: Well, as of today, when we're having this discussion on May the 16th, Russian troops have not entered into the city of Zaporozhia but there have been a lot of uh, refugees that have come from Mariupol and other places in the east through Zaporosia. It is right now the main city in the southeast of Ukraine receiving refugees.
1: It's one of the one of the major cities along with Dnipro and uh, Odessa, Kharkov. That's the south and uh, southeast of Ukraine where we get, we get uh, refugees from other uh, places that have been occupied. Curfew hours started on February twenty fourth, uh, and no no single light bulb is uh, uh, permitted uh, to 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 work, uh, you know, during uh, during night hours, uh, night, because uh, the air raids and it's a uh, the city uh, is an easy target for these airplanes.
0: It must be extremely difficult having lived in Zaporozhye all one's life to then think about leaving the city and then ultimately leaving the country. Can you share with us how you came to this decision?
1: It was a difficult decision. After after we saw the students uh, leaving the seminary and making sure that they would get home to their parents, then uh, the seminary was closed. Uh, it is not destroyed now. Uh, it does work as a hub for people to stay maybe during the day or one one night and then leave because Zaporozhye is not a safe city uh, now and people do not uh, stay there for a long time. We had to spend several nights in our cellar, in our basement. We live in a private home in the southern part of the city, at the edge of the city. And then uh, it was February, it was still cold, so I, I would take down carpets uh, to the basement and uh, we would uh, dress as uh, you know with our winter clothing and would just spend whole nights in in the basement Uh, every every time I would go out and bring some water and uh, you know some food our kids would uh, would get nervous and say you know papa come back just because of fear that, you know, there, there, the sirens are going and we would hear methodic explosions right outside of the city. Church services would be canceled because some of these curfew hours would start at Friday night and be there till Monday morning. And, uh, yeah, after several days like this and and looking at, What's going on in my family with Marina's condition and my kids' condition, I just had to make this difficult decision to leave. And we could leave only during daytime. We could leave the city because there were uh, were military personnel outside the city and during curfew hours we would not be allowed to uh, leave. And, uh, and while there were no air raids uh, during the day, we had to make a decision. Are we staying or are, are we leaving within this short time? And we, we made this decision to leave. And, and uh, we had a uh, smaller car, Kia. So I packed, packed it with water. And uh, with just about every blanket we had in the house, because it was still cold uh, beginning of March and the end of February, it's still cold in Ukraine. And a bag of clothing, and that was it. And the only thing I actually uh, thought was important was my family and the documents. And uh, we were hoping that we will not get stuck uh, someplace between the cities especially during curfew hours
0: how long of a drive is it from Zaporozhye to what well, was the Romanian border
1: it was uh, about 20 hour drive we decided uh that we will drive even at night uh, even though it was i i it wasn't uh, it wasn't quite safe because when a vehicle is going at night and it's difficult to to see whether it's a military vehicle or a civilian vehicle. Just about every citizen in Ukraine is faced with this question, am I, am I staying in the city where I'm at uh, or am I leaving? And uh, it's a difficult decision to make because everyone has connections to elderly parents or el- elderly relatives and and so on. So some people decided to leave, and some people decided to stay. And this is like internal, internal struggle for everyone in Ukraine, because I, I heard uh, that when the war happened in Yugoslavia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, and uh, some people uh, who left, uh, they say that everyone who left regretted that they left, and everyone who stayed regretted that they stayed. And that's the condition of a lot a lot of Ukrainians right now. Two-thirds of our church had to leave. And it's, uh, for every family, it's a very difficult decision. Uh, Marina and I, we didn't have elderly parents in Zaporozhye, didn't have other relatives. And uh, Marina's mother passed away in the beginning of January. But there are many families that couldn't leave because they were not sure whether it's safe to stay and consider their home as a fortress or to live and not knowing where to go. Every second child in Ukraine has been displaced already. And that's the statistic I have from about a month ago, and it could be more than this. Not every man can leave the the, the 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 country because everyone who is uh, 18 years till 60 years old, uh, like every male citizen, cannot just leave uh, the the country. Uh, there is a list of uh, exceptions, and uh, like uh, people who have more than three kids or special need kids, or medical uh, exemptions like I had from my childhood years uh, in connection with my uh, scoliosis, but there are a lot of divided families where a lot of families would decide that uh, a wife and kids would go to a safer place, maybe in Romania or Moldova or Poland, for a few months, as we hope it would be just a few few months and then come back.
0: Well, but what are Christians in Zaporozhye doing now that the war has started? How are they serving people?
1: Some families are staying and they're, helping others, and, uh, and uh, they're, they're our uh, graduates from the seminary and some of our church uh, people, and they're distributing help. And in the city of Zaporozhye, uh, it's a huge hub, and uh, people are staying for maybe a night, uh, maybe during the day. Uh, nobody wants to stay for extended period of time, but uh, some Christians are helping with that.
0: And some who have stayed are taking bread, medical supplies to the front lines, helping cooking. I'm hearing stories of uh, 500 meals per day yeah. in some churches, peeling potatoes, looking after children. It's, it's quite an effort that's going on.
1: Yeah. And especially churches in western part of Ukraine, because all of a sudden, some of those village churches with 20 people, now they're like 200 people. And, uh, uh, and people are staying and, you know, on mattresses in uh, Sunday school.
0: Could so, you suggest for our congregation a few ways to pray for Ukraine or to pray for you and your family?
1: I would ask you to pray for Ukraine and for churches in Ukraine and for, for us. We used to have a small group in our home on Tuesday nights, and now when we met on Zoom, our small group was scattered all over. Some people were in Central Ukraine, Western Ukraine, Germany, Netherlands, Poland. And I'm sure that there are many, many churches like that. So a lot of scattered Ukrainians, and I pray that Ukrainians will not feel as refugees for the rest of their lives, and they would, uh, especially Christians, would still fulfill their mission Fulfill their mission in being in Christ mission as Christians. And uh, I believe that God can do great things, even out of bad things. And, uh, and I don't know how he will use this war in Ukraine, but I know that he can do it. He can use and, and bring good consequences for the kingdom and for his church. And I pray that, uh, Scattered church and scattered Ukrainians would see who they are in this large biblical drama and continue to be whom they're called to be in Jesus Christ.
0: On behalf of the church, I want to thank you for being willing to answer some of these questions after such a harrowing last several months. And our prayers and best wishes are with you as you sort through these things and get reestablished. May God's blessing be with you all.